Hello. Hello. Industry. Industry. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Industry Tactics. I'm your loyal host, Friendly Rich, and I live at the website FriendlyRich.com, where you can learn all about what I'm up to these days in music and other creative adventures, such as a metal project that comes out this Friday, this Friday. It's called Head of Jador, and the album is called How to Slaughter a Lamb, a nice light snack. And that comes up this Friday, May 28th, a new release, so look out for that. And this week on the podcast, none other than the creative artist, a wonderful musical voice, Carly Howell, a bass player, composer, music educator. Uh, We get into it, her career path, how music education came naturally to Carly, and the move to PEI, such a beautiful story, originally from Brandon, Manitoba. So we get into it. Talk about the importance of showing up. Also, that 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 rite of passage in living in a jazz house. Such a thoughtful discussion around music. What a wonderful chat it was. Enjoy it. Here's my talk with Carly Howell. in. Welcome back to Industry Tactics. I'm here with none other than Carly Howell in the Zoom room. Where do we find you this fine day? This fine day, I am on Great George Street in Charlottetown, PEI. PEI. Great George Street. Great George. Oh, 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 like Great George. Yes. How long have you been out in PEI? Since September. Okay, so this is a relatively new thing. Yes. Are you digging it? I'm loving it. I am loving it. I had um, been out here a couple of times and really loved it over the last couple of years and was looking mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to spend more time here. And last January, I was in Banff at the Artist Center there writing some music. And I met Jen Grant. And I was talking about how much I love the East Coast and PEI. And she was talking about how great it is. And she said, well, if you are going to spend more time out there, you should meet my friend Tanya Davis, who's a poet and a musician. And I just think you guys would... Uh, have some things in common and just sort of casually set us up. And then, yeah, then we had this like long distance uh, romance and then she came to Toronto. And then on our second date, I moved to PEI. Holy, now that is a beautiful Coles notes. So this is, this is live. This is fast. And, and, and here we find you like, so you've set up, you've moved Congratulations. This is so beautiful and inspiring. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, it really is the manifestation of a lot of uh, things I've been hoping for for a long time. This is a studio that we share 
with um, like seven other people of some different disciplines. And then we live in a big uh, country house that we're house sitting in a tiny little community called Iris. So we live in the middle of the country and I have a huge music room there where I do like Uh, composing and, and uh, yeah. How charming the whole thing. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Um, Now was Tanya living in PEI? Did I get that right? Yeah, she's from here and she had lived away for 20 years and had just moved back last year. Unbelievable. How, how wonderful. And, um, and, and are you finding, um, I too fell in love. My wife and I went out to the East coast twice in the last, I'd say what, four years or so. And the dream is drum. Like it, we are into it. It is a beautiful scene out there. More of a Nova Scotia love. Haven't been to PEI yet. Um, but, uh, one of these days when the world opens up, eh? Yeah. PEI is very special. I haven't spent much time in the other Atlantic provinces, just touring. Um, but I work really closely with Beverly Glenn Copeland and he was based in New Brunswick and now he's in, um, Nova Scotia and, uh, Tanya has a lot of, um, a lot of artistic, um, yeah. collabs and uh people that she loves and works with and friends and whatnot in in nova scotia as well so yeah we're hoping that our little uh maritime yeah. is going to open up and that we'll get to travel around and make some music with those folks um cool. but pei is a very yeah it's a it's a really um special little place i'm from manitoba and i like to think of pei as like the manitoba of the maritimes <laughs> or Manitoba is the PEI of the prairies. Um, there's a similar, I don't know. I just think that there's a similar sort of um, like community mindedness and yeah. really yeah. beautiful yeah. Uh, yeah. arts enclaves, things happening. Yeah. 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 The, that notion. I mean, I felt it. the, uh, I'm a guy that talks to a lot of strangers and I just found uh no strangers usually talk back to me in the GTA, but uh, you get out, you get out to Nova Scotia and everyone's your friend. I don't know. I don't know. It is a beautiful scene out there. And, and did you find like, I mean, I know it's fresh. So the idea of like, even asking like, what's the art scene comparative like to Toronto is, is just a weird question. I, I wouldn't even go there. Like, are you, but are you finding this like, is it working for you so far just in terms of like the tempo of the, of the, the space you're living in and, and all that, you know? Yeah. It's, um, you're right. It's hard. You can't really compare them. They have different, just different things going on, different mm-hmm. scopes. Um, mm-hmm. I am super appreciative of all the people that I've met here so far. Um, cool. my partner being an artist is really connected to a lot of really special people and, and, uh, she's makes great stuff herself. So, uh, at, you know, like at, we did a Valentine show a couple of weeks ago with Catherine McClellan and, uh, oh, wow. yeah. And, and they're, they've been friends since they were like 11 years old. So that's a nice little musical collaboration. And, uh, um, wow. Catherine's partner, Mark Westberg is a great guitar player. 
and a drummer. Mm. So we were like a little family band. And then oh. this week I'm playing again with Catherine, but with um, Tara McLean as well, who's like a, a East Coast songstress. Um, okay. Yeah. So there's some really beautiful, cool local opportunities, and there are some really cool people making music that are from here. And I'm crossing paths with some people who are from Toronto as well, like Mike Ross, who uh, I met in uh, with Soul Pepper Theater is from here and he's moved back here now he's making music ken fornick oh, wow. the saxophone player he's out here this show that i'm playing is uh with nick donniff who's a guitar player and he's been in toronto for oh, a long wow. time so yeah i think there's like a lot of uh that's nice a lot of crossover between those scenes and then also Right now, we're in this very beautiful bubble um, mm-hmm. that we get to, you know, make music in. And there's a lot of um, great things happening out here. But long term, I hope to also be able to come back to Toronto for chunks of time and work with people okay. that I love and have collaborated with for, for nice. some time. But I've yeah. been uh, working with those people long distance, which has been really interesting, you know? People oh, are yeah. sending tracks and I've been laying down bass lines yeah. and co-composing oh, that nice. way. And one of the things that I've really wanted to spend more time on over the last mm-hmm. forever is, uh, is my, my own music. It just sort of often takes the back seat when you're a side person and, you know, you've got these things coming in and you're learning music for other people. And, uh, yeah. and I've yeah. been really heavily edu- uh, involved in the, in the education scene for a long time too, and, and done a lot of yeah. teaching. So so yeah. yeah, it's allowed me to have some time and space for my own stuff. And I've been composing uh, with a program called Pivot, which oh, yeah. is through the Canadian League of Composers and in oh, conjunction geez. with okay. the um, Canadian wow. Music Centre and the Continuum okay. Music Ensemble. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. wonderful. Yeah, so I've been writing for like violin, cello, piano, and electronics. I love it. I love it. Um, let's take a breath. We have Carly Howell on, on the podcast today and composer, bass player, educator. You kind of got a nice chunk of the many hats you wear as a, as, as a, as an artist. Um, let's, let's cut to some of your music mm-hmm. right out the gate here. Uh, let's go back to of dreams and small things all the way back to 2012 and uh, this tune Trinity really beautiful song to start things off. Can you set it up for us? Mm-hmm. Um, I, after graduating university, I was playing a lot of different kinds of music and I was really searching um, to combine a lot of different different uh loves that i had in different interests and uh that was all brought together in capoeira so i started training capoeira which was just this beautiful collection of like movement and song and dance and martial art and lost you there you are i'm back you're back yeah music percussion martial arts language 
um, mm -hmm. and, and like this beautiful culture. So I started traveling to Brazil and getting really connected with the community in Toronto, the Brazilian community in Toronto. So I went to Brazil yeah. for the first time in 2008 and then again in 2010. And mm -hmm. I wrote this song while I was there in 2010, um, just based on these beautiful landscapes that I was seeing in Argentina and in Uruguay and in Brazil. And mm -hmm. then thinking yeah just thinking about the relationship between the north and the south hemispheres and the and and how life is this beautiful balance and how i was really taken by these landscapes but everywhere i went as i traveled people kept asking me about the northern lights and if i had seen the northern lights so i was thinking mm. as well about the beautiful uh landscapes that we have here and these things that are mm -hmm. unique to the northern hemisphere um so there's a little verse about that as well and then yeah i really um i was really uh just so pleased with how this track turned out with the strings it was just this really beautiful marriage of like the classical background mm -hmm. that i have um rebecca Britton played the violin and we i wrote the string card for her and then i also played some uh -huh. traditional uh brazilian percussion from the madaka tradition which is what i've uh studied a lot so it was uh -huh. kind of like this fun way to blend uh yeah, old and new and, and north and south and just different different influences. And you hear Harley Card on guitar and Topher Stott on the drums. Oh, beautiful. Thank you. Here it comes now, Trinity. to see 
This holy trinity Not made of ghosts But of earth, sky, and sea So that was Trinity. And um, Carly, can you kind of talk about that recording? You mentioned um, amazing players that, that played on it. Um, and, and I wondered if, uh, was that, is that your, one of your first releases in 2012 or had you been releasing music before like your own original music? I made a short EP before that. Okay. Um, and, and when you mentioned university coming out of university, where did you study? I studied at U of T in the uh, jazz performance program. Okay. Yeah. Great. 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 And so that was. That so was yeah, you had made an e, you had made an EP, and 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 you graduated around then. You said like a two thousand eleven, two thousand and five, and I think five. Okay, sorry. The EP, I can't quite remember. I guess it was maybe around two thousand and nine. Love it. Yeah. And, uh, and I was getting some great ideas out. I wasn't like, I don't think, um, I didn't feel super confident in my own performance yet, but mm. I felt, I love those songs. Like, uh, yeah, they, they, they represent like a time in my writing for sure. Oh. And then this recording, uh, was done by Dave Hermiston and mm-hmm. he, yeah, we just spent a lot of time and attention to the detail of the, of the studio recording itself. So, um, it was kind of done in a traditional way of making some ghost vocals and then layering up the rhythm yeah. section tracks and, and uh, adding guitar. And then we brought the strings in and then I added all the percussion at the end. And then, oh, nice. then we did vocal stuff over top. So yeah, it was, it was, um, I love the feeling of playing live with people in a room and I've done subsequently, I've done like some live things. Um, you prefer that you prefer that approach than the layering kind of more la- in a laboratory kind of creation. Uh, well, I think they end up with studio. different products. And so this, yeah. I loved, uh, because that was the product that I was going for. Like I was going for the right. studio sound. So I felt, um, yeah, really, really, um, proud of where we got to with it. And it was still so many people's voices, like coming in and just playing yeah. what they heard and, and adding up layers as well. And, um, yeah. and Dave, yeah. Yeah. Dave has really great ears too. So it was a really beautiful cool. team of people. Yeah. That's interesting that you should say that, right? Like I almost find the live versus the approach that you just outlined. I almost find it's like more memorable, obviously doing it live in a room with everyone just kind of there enjoying it together. It just, it almost hits my memory bank deeper when I do it that way than say 
okay, now on Wednesday, you're going to come in and it's just going to, you know, it's more like individual approach doing it the other way, but you're right. The vibe and what you get sound wise, there's pros and cons to either. Right. Um, cool. We are going all over the place. Why don't we go back to Manitoba? What was life like and how did you fall in love with music? That's a lovely question. Um, well, life in Manitoba was beautiful. I, um, yeah, I have a really solid family, uh, like immediate mm-hmm. family. My parents are still together for 47 years, 48 years this summer. Right on. And I have a younger brother and, you know, we grew up spending a lot of time together as a family and spending a lot of time with my extended family, um, cousins and grandmas and out on the farm. And, and like, I came from farming families. So I got to spend a lot of time in the country and, uh, yeah, my parents were hugely like just, uh, supportive of the arts. My dad is, is like a really artistic person himself. He's an amazing visual artist. And, um, where, where in Manitoba? I grew up in Brandon. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So, uh, and my mom like played the organ and whatnot. So I started music lessons Mm. when I was five. Like I can, I just loved music since I can remember. And I didn't always know that I was going to be a professional musician. It was hard to Mm. like know what all those job titles were or what all of the possibilities Mm. were, but I Mm. knew that I wanted music to be part of whatever I was doing and the way that I was like communicating with people. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I just took a ton of music lessons. Like I took organ and then I took uh, voice and musical theater. And then I studied clarinet really seriously in in school and outside of school and then electric bass and upright bass and saxophone. And then I did all the like camps and honor jazz band things. And just like, I had a lot of really great, amazing opportunities and amazing teachers, like just really incredible people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so did you get to see music education from, uh, from, I, I would assume just walking us through what you just walked through is like, that's such a rich music education you have. Did you get to see it from all those perspectives and like, how did that shape your own way of going about music education? Hmm. Absolutely. I think we can only, uh, you know, uh, have so much perspective on what's going on when we're in it, especially when we're young, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we are able to look back more on it as we get older, but I think Mm -hmm. growing up, I had an appreciation of the opportunities that I was being offered and a, I took my job seriously. I didn't have, I had a few part-time jobs later on, but my parents um, had like, were they had good jobs and they were very financially organized and education was like a real okay. priority of theirs. And so I like, they paid for my lessons and they paid for those instrument rentals. And they were like, your job is to, is to keep up your end of the bargain. Like we can provide these things for you, but then you have to do the work. You have to practice, you have to pursue the opportunities. You have to show up on your end. I like that. I like that. That was a really beautiful um, bargain. And, and I can't go wrong with that. Yeah. Right. Or you can't, you can, if you don't live up to it, but yeah, but you didn't sounds like you showed up. And it's, I think that that's like, 
throughout our career as artists, that's what our job is, is to show up. And sometimes you get the grant, sometimes you don't. Sometimes the session is amazing. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes the show is great. And sometimes it's like a flop. But your job is to show up. You heard it here first. Industry Tactics. Welcome to the podcast, Carly Howell, even though we're a half hour in. Um, I loved that. It, like it, it is really showing up and just being, even if you're, I mean, whatever your mood, whatever uh, the music, whatever the situation, I think you learn from it and, and grow from it. And, and each one of those experiences, I think, whether it be as an educator, a composer or a session player, I think you're, you're, you're seeing it from all, all of its beauty and, and all of the angles that you can, you can see it from that. Uh, I loved what you just said there. Thank you. Thanks for the thank questions. you for sharing. So, um, you, look, you you uh, when do you migrate to Toronto? Then is it is it straight for like university or, or how does that work for you? Yeah, I moved to Toronto yeah. in uh, the September long weekend of two thousand, and uh, I started university that Monday, kind of thing. Or uh, why did I just go like? Why did I just react that way? I think it's just the start of starting university just brought me down. <laughs> Sorry about that. Ugh, what a shitty feeling. I Because I just went back there with you and I'm like, oh, thankfully you're done. Was it was it weird? I, I, I'm bringing my own bullshit with university in on this. Uh, was it cool? Like, did you were you excited to be there? New new city and university and you're, you're doing it. Faculty of Music, that ugly building, right? Yeah, but it was really magical for me. You know, like I was coming from, I'm just going to plug in this battery here. I'm going to turn this sideways. Industry tactic. Oh, look. Okay. Oh, there we go. Even better. It, it, awesome. It's win-win. It's win-win. You, you've, got, you've got battery power and you're in full stereo now. Okay, so, so you, were, you were thrilled to be there. You were excited I was. To, uh, to be in a new city and to be studying what you love. Yeah. yeah. And to be challenged yeah. by my teachers and my peers in a new way. Like I, like I said, I had incredible um, role models and people that encouraged me growing up and people who really um, impacted me as a teacher thinking about the kind of teacher that I wanted to be. I think mostly oh, I, I like was it. influenced by those personal relationships and just realized like what it means to have somebody who believes in in your musicality and beliefs in um yeah just encourages you along that that path in this very personal way you just i want to touch on something you just said there did you kind of know early that you wanted to then be an educator that you wanted to teach music and share it like were you looking at your current teachers going oh yeah i'm going to take that from this teacher i really like this aspect of what they do um i think yeah like my mom is uh was a teacher and okay. um, she was a resource teacher. She was a classroom teacher who had to teach music. And then she was a resource teacher uh, for many years. And then she became a principal. And education okay. was something that we talked about a lot. Like, I think it was okay. something that I was curious I like about and interested in. And I would go to work mm -hmm. with her for Take Your Kid to Work Day. And um, mm -hmm. those were, uh, yeah, it was something nice. that we talked about. And then with my teachers, um, I noticed, I noticed those things. I, I did recognize sure. that, I think, and, and clock it away somewhere 
Um, but I then I also had I the opportunity that. to teach really early. So when I was in high school, like when I was in grade 11 and 12, my teachers were yep. already kind of like setting me up with younger students just to give them little like lessons uh-huh. on something that they were struggling with. And so they were mentoring me as a teacher. Um, and, uh, uh, then I also taught with the Suzuki school, actually the Suzuki school didn't have a base teacher. So hmm. when I came back, I guess when I came back in between years in university, I taught uh, hmm. a little bit for the Suzuki school as well. Um, yeah. So I think I was like, wow. being, I was, I was being brought up as, as a teacher and, yeah. and a player. I love, that. I love how it's just kind of. I love how it's just kind of natural. It just, it was there. It's not something that you, that, that came later. It's just kind of progressed that way throughout. Um, education has been like a, a laneway for you in your career. Big time, big time. And when I graduated, I was living in one of those classic music houses that we live in at some point with all of like the musician friends. And I happened to be living- The jazz house. The jazz house, exactly. I was living on the Spadina, like circle jazz house. And- uh-huh. uh, I was uh-huh. living with two other bass players and a piano player. So there's three bass players in this apartment. <laughs> and so we would like sub out and take each other's like, you know, gigs oh, and, and whatever. And so I subbed into Paul's teaching gig and Paul taught at the who, place. Called who, 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 are the other, who are the other, who are the other bass players? Paul Clifford and Ryan Farvey. Neat. Yeah. And Aaron Gray was the piano player. And, uh. um, yeah, so I subbed into this teaching gig at uh, Blooming Music School, which was run by Kenny Kirkwood. And okay. uh, he's an amazing saxophone player, vocalist, composer, and educator. So uh. he w- really mentored me as a teacher, and we worked a lot together. We ran camps together. Wow. We did all this programming. We did a bunch of stuff together. Not a- And he was also an incredible queer mentor to me. But now... Mm-hmm we're working on tracks together. He's coming back to being like a player and producing no some of his own music again. And he's like sending me stuff and I'm playing bass and, and singing on it. So it's oh, kind wow. of this interesting full circle there too, that like we used to teach together and now we're like focusing on making music together. Does life, does, does your artistic life and your actual life, 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 life surprise you that way on so many levels? I, I don't know. I, I find such beauty in stories like what you just kind of relayed. And I wonder if it happens to people in like engineering. Do you, do you do you think it just, or is there something special to to the musical relationships that lend themselves well to these kind of surprises and this kind of like almost like an interconnectedness? I don't know. Hmm. Um. I don't know that it. Uh, that music is like more serendipitous than special? other right. realms. Right. But perhaps musicians, like, we exercise, we flex those muscles more. We have more opportunity to kind of, like, open those conduits or or vibrate at those frequencies to be tuned in. We spend a lot of time, like, if you take all of the, all of the interpretations and and nuances of the phrase like tuned in well you can tune into a radio station you can tune into like a a energetic frequency we tune our physical instruments we tune our voices we auto tune our tracks we you know like uh, so hey speak for yourself (laughs) this is true i actually this is i've been working a lot on my recording engineering skills this year as most people have and it's the thing that i have like definitely not learned how to use i just do like 
87 vocal takes until I have like, yeah, that's better. That's better. Which is, you know, I guess it's a practice. It's a form of it. Yeah. Sorry. You were going on with this beautiful analogy and I couldn't, I couldn't resist getting in there. (laughs) This is awesome. The, The idea of tuning in. Right. Or, or so, being in tune with. Mm-hmm. And and so we're we're practicing this in a particular way. Yeah. I think that Ruby yeah. makes us and the musical community is one where we switch up our colleagues all the time. We're not working for one firm right. for 10 years or right. 17 right. years. Like that's nice. That's a nice observation. Yeah. So yeah. I think the families that, change. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Those kinds of confluences or serendipity like uh, things can happen in other realms of life or in other yeah. careers, maybe in different, different ways. Um, but I, yeah, I love that about the musical community. I love these very complex sort of like Venn diagrams of intersections of talents and skills and uh, art forms and people who know people who know people who know people. It's, I love it. No, I I think it also touches on this variation on a theme idea where you're, you're, you're working with someone as an educator wearing one hat and then something like COVID hits. And I, I find musicians have been I mean, creative is an understatement in these times. So the idea of sharing tracks and now working in a creative musical context as well. So you could work with someone as a, as a teacher in, in one year, in one iteration of yourself, and then um, a total, and then on a gig in another. And that's so special. I love that. And you see a different side of someone by doing that, right? Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, the drummer who played on the track uh, originally, there was like sort of a bunch of layers of drums that happened was somebody that I yeah. taught at oh, sick. school, you know, so there's there, like, there you go. Thank you. There you go. Here's a beautiful story that you'll love too. I have a studio of private students that I've taught for various amounts of time. And some of those families I've had really long-term connections with. And so one of these families, I teach these two brothers, Hugo and Lyle. I've been teaching Hugo since he was five, Lyle since he was like three. I've been teaching them both for about 10 years now. And I also teach their dad, who was quite an accomplished classical piano player, but he really wanted to play improvise. So we've been like doing jazz piano for about three years. And their mom is a fashion designer she makes her own textiles and then designs clothing out of them and she also owns this place called the knit cafe on roncesvalles which is like a knitting store and they also host events there that store stay with me that store here we go is co-owned by this mom and dad and their really dear friend this woman named andrea dorfman Andrea okay. Dorfman is an incredible animator. She's an illustrator and an animator. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I've seen her work. Yes, yes. Right. So she is best friends with Tanya, with my Tanya. So oh, I gosh. started dating this woman online. Yeah. I never met her. I wrote a song right. for her, and I played right. it in this live cast. My students, oh, wow. Matthew, Kate, Hugo, and Lyle, are watching it, and they email, and hmm. they're like, we think we might know Tanya. I think we're, she's friends with Andrea. They, she played in their store years ago. Andrea wow, had met wow. me at their house when I was teaching their kids. Andrea and wow. Tanya just did this incredible 
a video poem together this year called How to oh, Be cool. uh, Alone. Uh, it, How oh, to Be wow. at Home, pardon me, a follow-up. How to Be at Home, did. okay. So it's just like so many That's charming. That is, that is, thank you for touching on that. Like that is it, right? And it's, it is beyond music, right? I'm glad that you brought it into poem, video, animation, all of it. It's just like, You'll never be bored as an artist. Eh? I think that's the end game here. And um, you know what? In, a, in, in introducing you, I, I, I think I don't. I mean, you're not. A, your primary instrument is it fair to say it's bass? Yeah. I mean, it's fair to say it's bass, but like I'm learning so much about like the breadth of of how you go about creating. Uh, just even in in this uh, half hour we spent. So thank you. This is so rich. Um, Let's 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 take another listen to uh, to another tune. Let's go uh, four years later, 2016 around with this track Temporal. Can we can you set that up? That's got such a great percussive kind of again with the Brazilian influence. Eh? Brazil really left its mark on, on your musical voice. Eh? Definitely. And this was a co-write. Um, I, oh. Yeah. So uh, Temporal is uh in portuguese it's like temporal ew ew did you hear the way i put okay, that, that's better that's better okay set it up proper now but temporal. it has that okay, same good. sentiment that it's this very okay. quick fleeting rainstorm temporal is like this this specific rainstorm that comes in it's just like <sighs> floods down and then it just leaves and uh-huh. my um uh, dear friend and writing partner and colleague and ex-girlfriend and always family uh, is this woman named Angelica Ney, and she's a spoken word artist, and her poetry alias is Temporal. She goes okay. by that kind of feeling. And uh-huh. she Me. wrote this poem for the drumming group that we played in together. We met playing Brazilian drums in Toronto. I see. And so she had written this poem. We were together at the time. And Mm -hmm. um, she wrote this poem and wanted to set it to music. And so we, we put the, put the words to music and taught that to the group. And then together with our leader, Alini Morales, we put the drum percussion part together, the, the drumming, uh, group part together and then cool. I okay, took great, that back great. and I wrote this horn arrangement for the studio album that we were making so so yeah okay. um Dave Arcus is on guitar and uh we've got like yeah uh, some brilliant horn players and then the percussion ensemble and oh, wow. her words Alini Morales is singing this but there's like some backup vocals and, great yeah anyways this is it shout out to Alini here it comes now this is Temporal Awesome. Nailed it. Chegou a tempo de tempestade Quebrando o vento para ser a novidade É do baque virado da ponta da maré A quem bambe de lado subindo o martelo Descendo a foché Temporal não avisa quando vai desabar Arreia o céu, arreia o gongue, deixa a água passar Arreia o céu, arreia o gongue, deixa a água passar Chegou a tempo de tempestade Quebrando o vento para ser a novidade É do baque virado da ponta da maré A quem bambi de lado subindo o martelo, descendo a foche 
temporal não avisa Quando vai desabar Arreia o céu, arreia o gongue Deixa a água passar Arreia o céu, arreia o gongue Deixa a água passar
What a what a collaboration! I like that. I'm I'm also loving hearing the way you go about all of this. Like I want to go to le- thank you for that. That was like what a track. I I re- and thank you for painting that picture of the rain coming through. I I, I felt that when listening to that to that piece. Um, it's important actually you- maybe also to say uh, yeah. to give credit where credits due. The uh, We also made this larger arrangement. We heard the beginning piece and then later there's like another melody that comes and that's a traditional Uh Brazilian song that also talks about the rain. It talks about that the rain, it rained so much that their bowls floated. And it's like this image of like this dry, dry, dry land where they're starving and then the rain comes and everything is just like abundant. So that's it. That is a traditional song that I I arrange the setting is mine and then yep. the ending yep. the code yep. is mine. I like that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, for making time to, to, to explain that to our listeners. Um, no, I was going to, I was going to suggest we now go to, we've been to Manitoba. We, we went to the faculty of music with you, but I'd like to go to now uh, jump to, to Banff and, uh, and what that was for you. It sounds like that was an interesting moment that is now, I mean, just, Boom, wormhole, right? Um, what were you doing out in Banff uh, last year? Yeah, I, a couple of years prior, uh, started collaborating with another poet. This is a theme. I love uh, working with I see words. That. Nice. And I, I like nice. working with other people's words. Um, so yeah. this uh, poet named Eva Tehani, and uh, she works at Brock and is a... Um, uh, professor and a uh, published writer. And she wanted to write words for music. She'd never written lyrics before. Oh. And it was a really great exercise for me um, to think about writing music that somebody else would write the words for and to have um, yeah. a little bit of a different structure in that collaboration yeah. than I had traditionally. Yeah. So we received funding from the Canada Council to just explore and create together, you know, research and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So we, um, yeah, we wrote 14 tunes together in this oh, wow. yeah, back and forth fashion. Some of them, I wrote the music and sent them to her to be lyricized. And sometimes she sent me words and I uh, wrote the music to go along with it. And cool, cool, cool. It, yeah, it was, it was a really incredible collaborative challenge uh, creative challenge, mm-hmm. but it was also a particular time in my life because I was going through an incredibly, uh, like, uh, just massive mental health crisis. Um, oh. and it's pretty near that. Yeah. It, I mean, it was like really challenging at the time. And mm-hmm. then it was such a breakthrough for me. It was so it like, it allowed me, um, just to really see what was working and what wasn't working in my life and to look at the ways that I needed uh-huh. to take care of myself more. And then uh-huh. also for me, what I needed was medication and I got on medication and that allowed me to really like just, uh, yeah, gain, right. gain a balance that I needed in my life. So that was cool, but we were writing right through this and that was really challenging. Wow. It was really hard for me to make music through it. And then points I couldn't, and it was hard okay. uh, for her to kind yeah. of understand that and to, to feel like there was like, we were fulfilling our grant when I was kind of like ghosting her and wow. not really not, not okay. able to show up, but the yeah, work yeah. ended up really reflecting that it reflected our friendship through that. It reflected oh. what her, perception of what I was going through was. And Mm. so that was really incredible. 
And then we released that work at the Transac with this small group. And then we recorded some demos and did some stuff. And then I went to Banff to arrange that music for more people. So Uh, I'm in the second phase. I got more, uh, another explore and create grant. Thank God for the Canada council. Amen. Amen. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, let's, um, can we, can we, can we hear that? I, I, I see here that my heart hears you does that capture some of what you were just speaking about absolutely so that was actually made before i went to banff that's a demo of the um ensemble in toronto so you'll hear uh myself and rebecca hennessy is on trumpet and shout out to rebecca episode number 18 on industry tactics (laughs) keep going let's go who else who else Uh, because it would be nice if is uh, oh wow great on percussion here and if i'm forgetting people i'll remind you at the end of it well done and i can always uh add that in the outro so so don't don't feel any pressure here it comes now my heart hears you are these words written by eva yeah eva yeah cool eva sorry very cool here it comes Such joy your mouth is speaking Sight read each day as it comes Listen carefully to learn by beat The song of your softest breathing And within the silence that is love My heart hears you Thank you. 
This is powerful. I didn't realize I was I was teeing that up when I was asking you about Banff. But um, you're you are such a collaborative artist. I think the next question I would love to ask you is just what have you learned about the art of collaboration? You can draw on experiences when the collaboration goes poorly, or as much as I like to do is really dwell on what makes a collaboration successful, right? Like I just, you're paying, you're obviously paying attention to this as you go through it, but yeah. What makes a collaboration sing for you? What makes it work? Mm-hmm. You are right that I love to collaborate with people. Um, it's just, it's exciting to me. It's exciting to hear what other people imagine on top of things and then to go away from that and, and listen to it and kind of craft lines from that, you know, Duke Ellington used to have his orchestra improvise until they played something he didn't like. And then he would write a, a, a whole orchestration based on all the stuff that they had played up until that point. So he kind of just like let them go and go and go until they reached this point where they were kind of like making up bullshit at that point. He's like, okay, no, now we fell off the edge. We're done. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But that's cool. I like, I mean, it's a bit wow. bullshit as a process because you're like using everybody else's ideas and then taking full credit for them. Like I wrote this song. It's like you wrote ahead and then you let everybody else write their parts. And so I actually do that's, that is part of my collaborative process. Actually, maybe that's mm-hmm. one thing to touch on is that like I give portion like writing credits to people who are part of mm-hmm. that process. You know, if, if mm-hmm. something got played that I didn't put on the page, that's not, it's not mine, you know? So nice, um, one. nice one. Yeah. So that's very ego, ego free, share that with people in the session. There are some songs that I write that are, you know, I put a hundred percent of the notes on the page and I want yeah. people to play them like that. And that's a different yeah. situation. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think I, I approach collaboration by really acknowledging what people are bringing to the room. That's different from what I bring to the room and, um, nice. honoring that and just being excited about that. And then mm. being really clear, uh, as, as a leader and as a collaborator. So being mm-hmm. sure of what your role is, you know, just because we're collaborating doesn't mean that there's eight cooks in the kitchen. It doesn't mean that there's eight people making all of the production decisions. So I think that wow. really knowing where you want people's voices to come in, but then also creating the, uh, this is a theme that I've been going on this year is this phrase, mm-hmm. creating the conditions to create. 
because yeah. I was stuck in this tiny, super tiny bachelor apartment living on top yeah. of myself. I couldn't even make tea more or less like record baselines. It was just like really, it was really challenging to be there yeah. in a pandemic. And I was like, yeah. I was having a really hard time making music. And I was like, I know that this isn't me. I just need to make the conditions to be able to do the thing that I love to do. Don't focus on the fact like, oh, you have to make music. Focus on making that's good. an environment where it's easy to make music. So yeah. I think that's also what we have to do with our collaborators is that if you just bring everybody in and it's a blank canvas, and you're like, okay, let's create something. Yeah. That actually yeah. is asking yeah. a lot of your collaborators. But if you come in and you provide a structure and a framework and then you let people know where you want them to like fit into that yeah. and treat yeah. them with like respect as human like beings, it. but then also respect as artists, you can take your feedback and run with it. You know, like I, I, you know, you're definitely even just communicating it that cleanly to me just tells me how like direct you are with, with intent and um, setting something up. You talk about the conditions to, you know, to create. And it's like, it's the clearer you could be for setting something up, whatever your intent is, whether it's like play all the notes as written or, or otherwise, I think is really important to, to getting to that final destination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I love it. I love it. Uh, you, what, what a band leader we have here on the, on the podcast today, Carly Howell. I want, I want to play in your band. Like I just, <laughs> I like the, I like everything you're saying. It really resonates, you know? Um, so if you ever need a goofball to like, you know, vomit in the corner or do whatever, do you, you know who to call. I just put that in a score the other day. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> the offer stands. That's awesome. Um, I love this. I love the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm the miracle of, uh, of communication is not lost on me that we're talking. You're in, you're in Prince Edward County. You're just two hours away from us here. I am not. I'm in Prince Edward Island. I, I'll stop. I'll stop being an asshole. That was a really bad joke. And I, I apologize <laughs> but, for it. Okay, okay yeah. wait. But here's why I'm being so particular about it, because there is a Prince Edward County here. The island is divided oh, into shit. three sections. Prince Edward Ew. County, or sorry, Prince's County, Queen's County, okay. and King's County. And I uh, currently am in Queen's County, but I live right on the line. I live literally on wow. the county line road. That's my wow. address. Wow. And it separates Queens County from Kings County. And so me and my partner living there, just like oh. gender bending yeah. and genre bending yeah. and arts bending. Yeah. We're just like, are we Kings? Are we Queens? Are we poets? Are we musicians? Oh. Are we farmers? Are we travelers? Who knows? All you know? of the above. Yes. Who knows? Who knows? Exactly. I love this. Thank you for that. Hey, you, you, um, we're, we're going to wrap up soon, but I want to know from you, I'm, I just, first of all, thank you for everything you've shared. It's uh, such wisdom and, uh, and, and sounds like you've been on a real journey to, to get to, and, and thank you for opening up as well about the challenges you, you, you have, have had and, and how you've had to work through that in the art. Like that really, that really uh, w- was moving to me to hear that that your, your mental health was getting in the way that that struggle that you had was getting in the way of you actually creating and being you like it's, it, it got to that point. And, um, and I think it was, sorry to cut you off. No, Um, no, 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 no. Just to say that, that that was also two sides of a coin Mm -hmm. being, trying to be creative, trying to exist in an industry and, and build, a voice and, and navigate what that is, uh, Mm -hmm. 
was also really hard. It was like really hard to navigate that in my brain. And mm-hmm. I, I spent like hundreds of hours going through Facebook, looking at like all my friends at, who were more successful than me, quote unquote, and who had won this and who had gone there and what this person's resume was and, and lamenting the fact that I hadn't done more, or I hadn't hit these markers or these achievements or that I had missed these opportunities. Um, and that they yeah. wouldn't come again and that I somehow had like missed the boat wow. in, in on the, on the industry. I'd missed the industry boat and it passed me by. And um, so it's interesting when you contacted me for this podcast, cause I was like, I don't know what my, like industry my tactics, only industry wait a tactic is just uh, like, you're chock full of them. That I, I you're chock full of them. <laughs> well, that's you show up. You, 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 well, well, you're living to your, you're living to your, to the tactic that I think sets this whole thing up. You, you showed up and, uh, and, and I'm so thankful because everything that you're sharing is just like, and you're touching on something that I don't think we've talked enough about on this podcast, which is that idea of scrolling through the successes of your peers and colleagues and, and, uh, and maybe not even people that you, you don't care for in the industry and you just see what they're all doing and this is probably relatively a new thing. Like, I don't know if this was happening in Ellington's time where, where he would have been on the pulse with like what everyone else was doing all the time, all the fucking time. Right. Like if, if I'm assuming that if he was uh, in Chicago, it meant he was in Chicago. It didn't mean that he was, he knew what was going on in Prince Edward County or Prince Edward Island or the County on Prince Edward Island. Right. Or the Prince Edward County on Prince Edward Island. But you, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> I do. It's like, it's like it, it can be seriously overwhelming to see all of our careers and hopes and dreams playing out in real time, all all concurrently, and going, okay, where do I, where the fuck do I fit in on this on this spectrum? Right? I mean, it's heavy. It's heavy, and I can get how that can. I miss the. You made that statement. I miss the industry boat. I, I'm not even going to go on your podcast. Right? I'm thankful that you did, because I think what we're touching on is all are all the ins and outs. Maybe maybe even the. The, some of the uglier sides of it, right? Is it, it's a struggle. As much as we've talked all about this, the magic, the beauty, the interconnectedness of, of all of us uh, cre- creatively doing these wacky things that we do with music, it's tough, eh? Like to, to carve out a career in it is really challenging. So hats off to anyone who is, who is, who is making that effort. Um, Canada Council, as you said, showing up, applying for the grants, uh, trying to carve out a career in the middle of a pandemic too, and staying kind of focused in that regard. It's, there's a lot on on all of our plates at the moment, right? I don't, you're probably feeling that. Uh, how how has the pandemic treated you in terms of? Oh, it sounds like you've made a move. You've you've crossed the country essentially. I did. Um, I mean, you know, how how are you you dealing? Where are you at with like looking beyond the pandemic as an artist? Are you starting to go there? Yeah, I am I'm I'm definitely thinking presently and forward and mm-hmm. you know reminiscing about things that were beautiful that I want to bring back and that I want to uh um return to. Um I think I'm enjoying 
being a little like being more inward focused. I'm enjoying the environment that I'm in. That's quiet and um, nice. Uh, just has a lot more time for uh, composition and practice and just um, working on my own craft. Um, okay. So I want to stay connected to that and and make sure that that I love it stays a, a part of what I am working on going forward. And I've been writing some applications Good. to some other composition programs that would allow me to sort of like keep working on this and keep receiving mentorship and, and writing for other oh, wow. levels. Um, wow. wow. Yeah. And then I also, like I said, I've uh, over the last couple of years really developed this great uh, friendship and musical relationship with Beverly Glenn Copeland. And last year we mm-hmm. were meant to tour Europe and the UK and Australia and make a record. So hopefully we're going to make a record this year and do some tiny shows in, or just, yeah, small shows here. And then um, in the bubble, in the Atlantic bubble. And then, um, you know, I'm hoping that we get to do that kind of touring again on a very awesome, awesome, different, you know, it'll look different, but I'm hoping for that. And yeah, um, yeah, uh, the, Pandemic, I think, was also really eye-opening for me mm-hmm. because it really made me consider um, how musicians are perceived in the larger society. Um, mm-hmm. Much the same way that I think I maybe uh, also, I sort of um, like didn't ever really step into the industry fully. I also feel like I've often not fully stepped into this idea of like, here is Canadian society. This is what it means to be like a part of it, middle-class ascribing to these like sort of societal norms that, that are easy to, to represent on a graph. And I've always felt like I was a little bit outside of that. And, and I think that that's like a, a, a classic, artist mentality to have you know we're right, right. that we're right. on, yes. on the periphery and that there's something yeah. um, magical and special and uh, sometimes quote exotic about that but what i realized uh-huh. is that when the shit hits the fan uh-huh. a lot of people don't actually realize what it's like to live on that periphery how what that like the social periphery is also like a margin and it's a margin of like very little error. It's a margin of living month to month, gig to gig of not having like social security of not having savings of not having retirement situations of not having healthcare, not having like uh, coverage for mental health uh, or medications or dental care or eye care. It means that like, Every year, just to be able to show up for my job, I have to spend thousands of dollars maintaining my instruments so that I can show up with a working upright bass and a working an electric bass and a working amplifier. There you go. And now yeah. in the pandemic, I have to have like a top-notch working computer and a home recording gear gig and like a decent camera. I'm like producing audio and video at like 4K quality. Like just it like these are things that I'm expected to have just baseline so that I can operate in this realm so Mm. uh the pandemic taught me that most people don't know that that's what's going into it most people don't appreciate that it's not something that you can just like take a break from for a couple years and then come back when the gigs are there it's not 
respected as a career. It's not respected as a job. It's seen as a glorified Mm -hmm. hobby for a lot of people. Even people who we make music with are like, well, actually, I don't really think that the government owes us anything. And it's like, what do you think we're doing then here? We're like, like supporting people through the hardest shit of their lives. They're live streaming Mm -hmm. us every night to just like Mm -hmm. stay alive and you're telling me that that's not important. So this is all to say that I realized that we needed to actually like tell the government exactly what it is we do and exactly what it is we need to to keep doing it and exactly how it is that we make money and function in this society because they have no idea. So I've been working really closely yeah. with Julie Zerowitz's office um, huh. and really closely with the music union or the Toronto Musicians Union. Um, wonderful yeah wonderful you know to really uh improve those situations and and uh make like and crb work for us but also like all of this going forward to to make it make sense for us and to legitimize what we do yeah yeah i mean it was it was really interesting early days of the pandemic and hearing crb and then the gig economy and like just hearing trudeau say gig just kind of put a smile on my face. Right. Cause it's like acknowledging that there is this thing. And, and, but, but I, I don't think you're to your point. I don't think we've done enough. Like, like it, it, it's revealed like the major gaps there. I, I, I also like what you, you said about glorified hobby and the way that we all approach this. It's you hit on some major points of, and this is just, it's really revealed all of the, I, I, like, I, I think it's just kicking the shit out of, the industry that we're in and venues are, are folding. Um, uh, arts organizations are, are, are having a difficult time. How many people are, are stopping making art? How many people are making more art just to like, but like, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's, it's, everything is amped up. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's complex uh, on a good day and there aren't many. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I just uh I I wish you well through it. It seems like you I like I and you've made some really bold and beautiful moves during this pandemic. Uh I just wish you well and and continued um you know good health and 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 creativity and and fulfillment uh in in what you're doing. And I I also find great peace and joy in your Instagram uh, feeds because you're, you're, you're showing a lot of the, the beautiful East coast. So, so more of that as well, please. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, um, I have been working for years to, to capture landscapes and details and, mm-hmm. and uh, environments. And I have like mm-hmm. a lot of video content that I'm actually, yeah, trying to work with right now. So hopefully I'll bring, cool more east coast and west coast and north and south coast yeah uh thank you so much for all of the wisdom uh you have uh shared today carly it's uh, i'm so thankful that you showed up and uh and, and shared all that you that you did let's end it on this track i think it's apropos i won't let go do you want to set that one up we're in seven four here so that's uh getting into the uh one, two, one, two, one, two, three. Let's count it with Carly. <laughs> set, well, set us up, set us up. There's actually, uh, there's two tracks uh, that you're yeah, looking huh? at. Yeah, the, huh? um, 
So I won't let go oh. is quite a short one. It's like a, it's just like a minute and a half long. You can probably sneak them both in there. We'll um, sneak them both yeah. in. There's no limits. And, Let's um, do it all. Yeah. Uh, like I was speaking about before Eva's um, just window into what I was going through and just this hanging on. Uh, and uh-huh. I really uh-huh. love those lyrics and I tried to really honor. Oh, that's with the same them. group. That's with the same group that you did. Uh, My heart hears you. That's the same uh, slightly different actually. So this is like the same okay. music, but in another demo session. So this is uh, okay. Frazier McAvoy on drums and Graham Campbell on guitar. And I'm uh, playing keyboards and singing on this one. Uh, and then uh, uh, next up you'll hear time, which is in seven, four also Eva's words and uh cool. same cool. same folks thank you so much oh and i should also say uh yeah. the wonderful mike metzi of amand records recorded these like, I, live demos thank or demos. you know what i like that i'm always forgetting those i make the music with to credit them thank you um where can people learn more about all of your work well, uh, what's the best like, source? Yeah, Facebook, I guess, is like where things come out. I'm working diligently yeah. on trying to get a website all together of okay. all the things, so that's coming soon. And cool. uh, I have a band camp site, Carly Howell and the D Harms, D E H A R M S, and uh, I guess Instagram also, like you mentioned, I've got lots of visuals up there, but um, keep an eye out for I'll try to, yeah, get my website happening sooner or later keep punching carly thank you so much again cheers thank you so much for having me
of seasons A time of darkness Not enough love You take me in 
Thank you so much, Carly Howell, for making time for the Industry Tactics podcast. If you're liking what you hear, uh, find me on Instagram. I'm at Friendly Rich, and let me know what you think. You can always go to FriendlyRich.com to find out more about the podcast in the top right corner. You go back to the catalog of all the episodes, all 116 of them. My, my oh my. So we'll see you again next Monday. Take care, everybody. And look out for it this Friday, the new recording from my metal project, Head of Jador. Very excited about that. We'll see you all soon. Bye for now.